Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to get right into the Word tonight. God has laid something in my heart to share with you. Is anybody in here tonight who would like to hear from God? Would like to hear him speak to you as he did in the days of old to his people. Well, if that's you, then I want you to just close your eyes. Now focus. And I want you to listen. He's got a word for you. Here's what he wants me to speak to you. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you accept that word, give your God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are the same words that God spoke to Joshua after Moses' death. While the Israelites were on their way to the land God had promised them, Joshua 1 verse 1, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, notice he calls him his servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, and you and all the people to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. Of course, this land is known as the promised land. It's a piece of property that God had promised to take the Israelites to after leaving their Egyptian bondage. This land belonged to their ancestor, and God was going to take them back to possess their land once again. He follows up with the verse 6 and continues to give Joshua instructions. And he continues to say in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate it on a day and night so that you may be careful and do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. I want to repeat verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. In other words, no one can stop you. Why? Because as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, my presence will be with you. And I think in this day and time, there's so many who need to hear this reassurance, need to be reminded God is for you and that he's not against you, that God will never leave you nor will he ever forsake you. Now, tonight I want to talk to you about the power of his presence, how important it is to receiving your promises, how important it is in these last days more than ever for you to be in his presence. I think so many are so misfocused, have lost sight of it, in all the chaos and uncertainty and the transitions. So many people trying to do things in their own strength and finding out they're powerless. Because first we must realize, in order for us to be in his presence, he has to be present. 
He tells us he's our very present help in times of our troubles. Now, I love the book of Joshua because it's not a book for wimps or the faint-hearted. It's not for the superficially religious or the ritualistic. This book reveals the power of God's presence. It's a book to inspire those who have been called by God to go forward and possess your promises to go for it. If God said it, he meant it, and can't no devil in hell stop it. Hallelujah. This is a transformative book. Teaches you how to deal with struggle and the importance of never giving up just because things become difficult. A New Testament book that would serve as a companion to this book would be the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians starts out talking about how God has given us spiritual blessings. The book of Joshua starts out talking about how God has given us all things. In Joshua, we're inheriting the land. In Ephesians, we're inheriting spiritual blessings. To possess both of these things, they both take courage. Ephesians spiritualizes what Joshua literalizes. Now, let me set in context so you can understand what was going on at the time in our text. Everything in this text is changing, but God. Many feel that same way today with the conditions we're living in. Everything around us is transitioning and transforming. In this passage of time, the children of Israel are in transition. They're not only leaving their nomadic history of being enslaved for 430 years in Egypt. They're now on the verge of a new beginning, a new season in their lives. They're about to experience only what they had heard was possible, about to experience only what they had dreamed of. And while a new beginning is a good thing, at, at times can also be a scary thing to walk into the unfamiliarity when something's new to you. We're walking in new, new seasons of our nation's history. It's unfamiliar, and we're trying to figure out the future, figure out how to live as Christians during these difficult, ever-changing times. It can be difficult, and it can be a challenging thing, because now they must go from being nomadic to owners and dwellers and possessors, possessing a land that's rightfully theirs, but they don't remember it, only heard of it from their ancestors. They're going home, but they've never been this, to this place before. This is a generation that has no memory of what they're about to possess. They have no history that they can look back on as a point of reference to know the future is going to be good there. So here they are at the point in my text and are facing a new future without their old leader, Moses, because Moses has died. He isn't just any old leader. Moses is a mighty man of power and authority. He's in a class all by himself. God said, other prophets have I spoken to through dreams and visions, but to Moses, my servant, I've spoken to him face to face. Moses, I showed things I wouldn't have showed nobody else. Moses has been the man they've trusted for 40 years. It was Moses' rod that was stretched out over the Red Sea, causing it to part, allowing them to escape their enemy. It was Moses that had established the covenant of law with God. It was Moses who was given the plans for the tabernacle. It was Moses that prayed and God sent down manna from heaven while in the desert. It was Moses that prayed and God turned the bitter water sweet for the people. It was Moses that declared the power of God as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It was Moses that gave them shade and covering in the desert. It was Moses that prayed until God sent quail from heaven to feed their hunger. In all these things, it was Moses. Say Moses. It was Moses. Everything they knew about God came through Moses. It was Moses who brought down the Ten Commandments from God. 
It was Moses that showed them the power of God so strong that the mountains shook and were set on fire and not consumed. It was Moses that rebuked the sins off Israel. It was Moses who cleansed the leprosy off his sister. If you had a problem, you talked to Moses. When, when God got ready to heal somebody, it was through Moses. When they got sick, it was Moses. It was Moses that lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. It was Moses. The only problem is one day Moses went up on the mountain and he didn't come back down. And now the people are trying to figure out what do we do without Moses? What will life be without Moses? Everything was put on hold. The move was shut down. They never really knew what happened to Moses. They never found his body. God had the angels take his body away. And God had to tell them through Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And when they heard that Moses was dead, they started screaming. They ripped their clothes, and they yelled, and they cried for days. The days turned into weeks, and that turned into a month. They did nothing but lament the death of Moses. They felt they couldn't go on, thought their promise was over. They were almost there, but now Moses is gone. The worst things in life can always happen when you're almost there. Right when you're on the verge of a breakthrough, so close to receiving your promises. The closer you get to your promises, often the more you lose. They have waited 40 years to get to this promised land. Every step they've taken has been by foot. A step at a time, a day at a time. They didn't have no bus service. They didn't have no wagon train. They didn't have no steam engine. They had no automobiles to carry them. Every step on the land had their footprints on it. Day after day, walking in the blistering heat of the desert. They had walked depending on God for their daily bread. When they woke up in the morning because they were with Moses and Moses had spent time with God, manna fell from heaven precisely in front of each tent within their reach. Notice the manna didn't fall in their mouths. It fell within their reach. Somebody needs to get that. Somebody's been sitting around like a little bird with your mouth open waiting for God to send it into your mouth. God never brings a blessing to your mouth. He sends it within your reach. You have to reach for it. That's for somebody. Now, Moses is dead, and you have to understand it's traumatic to a people who've already been traumatized. Because his leadership is gone, true leadership is a gift from God. Whether it's over a corporation, over a church, over a business, I'm not talking about titles. True leadership is a gift from God. If you have a good father and a good mother, it's a gift from God. And you become so dependent on them, and when you lose them, it's life-changing. The transition can be hard. Good leadership is such a blessing. And bad leadership is a curse. And we're finding out this to be true in our current state of our nation more so every day. The Bible says when the wicked shall rule, the earth shall mourn. When wickedness is in charge, everything under it suffers. Can someone say amen to that? You cannot make a man or a woman a leader. You're either or or you're not. You can teach them to be a better leader, but leadership in itself is a gift. Just giving someone a desk and a nice office doesn't make them a leader. Giving them a title doesn't make them a leader. Giving them a degree doesn't make them a leader. But Moses was a leader. When Moses put his rod to some, down, something happened. When Moses lifted his hands, their enemies were defeated. 
But now Moses is dead. Now, I hope I've driven home the importance of this man to these people, how they depended on him. After hearing of his death, they pondered, how can we go forward? How can we make it without him? They felt things would never be the same. And God let them cry their eyes out for about a month. Then he says to Joshua, now, say now. now. As to say to the people, that's enough crying. That's enough weeping. That's enough feeling sorry for yourself. Yes, my servant Moses is dead, but as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Rise up, go over the Jordan to the land I'm giving you. The promise hasn't changed. I want you to see that everything is changing around them. And when everything starts changing, change is scary. Change brings on anxiety, fear of the unknown. When things change, you must have faith because you don't have facts to stand on. You ain't never been where you're going. You ever never went that way before. You never had to do things before like you're doing now. With change, you always have to walk by faith because you can't see and you don't know and you're not sure about things. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I need faith so that I can move into the unseen. It is when everything around you is changing that faith has its greatest relevance to your life. It is the most powerful when life is unstable and your future is uncertain during unprecedented times. When everything around you crumbles, that's when you discover God. When you run out of Moses's, you run into God. Come on, somebody. Somebody here, all you got is God. Everything you leaned on is gone. And all you got is God. And if God doesn't do it, come on, somebody, testify. He'd better show up. Now, I love this part when he speaks to them in their most vulnerable time. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. It was the only thing that wasn't changing when everything around them was changing. That's the way it is with God. I don't care how bad things get, how unstable things get, how much everything changes around us. He's still a God who never changes. He brought you through that. He'll bring you through this. He provided for that. He'll provide for this. He protected you then. He'll protect you now. Go ahead and go crazy, world, but my God will never fail me, nor leave me, nor forsake me. I'm still going to see a victory. Because he's promised me, as I was Moses, so shall I be with you. He's promised if everything changes in my life tomorrow, he's still got me. I'm still written in the palm of his hand. Now, you don't need this word if you're not going to possess nothing. If you ain't going nowhere, if you're not pursuing your promises, if you're not chasing your dream, you don't need this word. If you're comfortable with the same old, same old. If you made up your mind, you're going to die in your wilderness. If you're enjoying your pity parties and feeling sorry for yourself, if that satisfies you, if you're just going to keep crying yourself to sleep, then you don't need this sermon. You can go home and you can murmur and you complain till you die if you want to. But this message is for people who are ready to go forward to your promised land. I'm scared, but I'm going. I'm broke, but I'm going. I'm uncertain, but I'm going. I'm unstable, but I'm going. You got to find a way to rise up and go ahead. And God is saying, now is the time for the church to rise and shine, go possess the land and the promises that I made you.
So you got to find an absolute in the middle of all the uncertainty. That absolute is always God. God is the only thing certain in the times of uncertainty. In this text, as I was, so shall I be. God says, I am who I am. Regardless of what season you're in, regardless of what circumstances you're facing, regardless of no matter who walked away, no matter who went up on the mountain and didn't come back down, no matter who betrayed you, no matter who lied on you, no matter who divorced you, no matter who abandoned you, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Moses may be gone, but I've never left, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, I want you to see the spirit of this text, the power of it. There ain't nothing like a promise from God in the midst of your troubles. So Joshua's placed in charge with the responsibility Moses had. Pretty big shoes to fill. And God tells Joshua to go amongst the people and tell them what to expect. And he tells them to tell the people over and over, be strong and courageous. Get your provisions together because in three days we're leaving. I hear God still telling his people today, be strong, be courageous. We're in a mess. We're in uncertain times. We're not sure about the future, but be strong and be courageous. Your life's turned upside down, but be strong and be courageous. Stop the murmuring and the complaining. You may have got knocked down. You may have got the breath knocked out of you. Things may appear to be changing for the worse, but be strong and be very courageous. Hallelujah. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a good ideal. It is a commandment from God. In fact, if you don't do this, you can't survive this. You've got no choice but to die fainting or fighting. Hallelujah. Sometimes when things happen, it is what it is. You didn't ask for it. You didn't order it. You don't want it. But you got it. So you got to deal with it. So if you're going to deal with it, be strong and be courageous. Why? Because if God is for you. Who can be against you? I don't know about you, but I'm going to die fighting for my promises. I'm going to die fighting for my dreams, for my family, for my ministry. I'm not going to roll over and play dead. Get up and keep going forward. Your promises are on the other side of your troubles. Troubles are just roadblocks set up by your enemy to discourage you, to quit, to give up, to back down, to lose heart. You will see by reading the next passages under Joshua's leadership, he finished what Moses had started. He led the 12 tribes to the land God promised for them. Now, I spoke of Moses and Joshua and their relationship for a reason. To get you to focus on what they did, how God used them, the important roles they played, how the people looked to them, and the mistake they often made in doing so. The biggest mistake that people made over and over again, they looked more to man than to God. They put more confidence in a man's presence than God's presence. When it was God's presence all along that they should have been dependent upon. They were so dependent on Moses, they thought they couldn't go any further when he died. Some no longer even wanted to try. Never acknowledging the only reason they got into where they were was because of God's presence more so than Moses' or Joshua's. It was because Moses depended on God's presence that he was even able to do all the great things that he had done. Yeah. 
Do you know, God didn't grieve over Moses dying. He basically just turned his head and looked at Joshua and said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I choose you now. I can do through you what I did through Moses. You see, God can accomplish his purpose through anybody. Now, I know some don't like to hear that, that they think they're all that in a box of Cracker Jacks. But God don't need you to do anything. He can use anyone to fulfill his purpose. My point I'm making is they miss seeing God's presence was more important than having his mouthpiece. Moses and Joshua were good leaders because they knew they could do nothing without the presence of God in their lives. They knew if they have his presence, you will get his promise. It's time to quit coveting the promise and covet his presence. Too many people want his gifts more than his presence. That's the reason we aren't seeing the gifts operating as before, because we don't have his presence. Too many want the presence more than his presence. And his presence only come when his presence is here. We've got to come to the realization his presence is more valuable than his presence. The only reason they made it to the promised land is the presence never left them. Moses and Joshua did everything they did because his presence was with them. Now, as Pentecostals, we get so focused on the gifts and the charismatic preaching and the singing. But nothing's going to happen if God's not present. It'll just be brass twinkling in the wind. The only thing that is certain, if God is present, promises are going to happen. And the greatest promise you can ever get from God is he will never leave you nor forsake you. The one thing the devil can never take away from you is his presence. You see, the camouflage of the text makes you miss the most important lesson. Is the promised land, it's eye-catching. It's amazing. It's what they were striving for. The focus of the promised land is a wonderful promise to Israel. It's the focus of the text. But the most important thing to see that most missed by focusing on the promise so much is the importance of God's presence played in them receiving their promise. The real promise is not the land. The real promise was his presence. I will not forsake you nor leave you or forsake you, no matter what you're going through. Just because Moses is gone, I'm still present. As long as I am, you'll make it. They were so busy trying to get the property, they missed the importance of his presence to get it. The promise is God not, is not that you won't have to fight for it, not that you won't have to shed some tears to get there, not that there won't be a struggle along the way. The real promise was I will be with you to see to it you get there. The promise of the power of his presence is bigger than the promise of the land. What good is the property if you don't have his presence to ensure you're going to get it, to ensure you're going to survive till you get there? The promise doesn't mean you won't have to fight, but the fight will go a whole lot better if his presence is with you. How many people are in a fight right now? How many people are in the fire right now? Well, he sent me to tell you he's with you. The battle's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. If you need to be comforted, you're going to draw it from his presence, not his presence. We've been taught to ask God like we do Santa Claus for gifts, 
Give me, give me, give me. When we should be seeking his presence, which is more powerful than his presence. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. If you get in his presence, you will get some presence. The most important promise I want you to see in this text is not the land. I want you to see how important his presence was, how he promised them that he'll never forsake them. Him telling Joshua that as he was with Moses, so shall I be with you. It inspired and encouraged him to lead these people. If they not had his presence, they never would have got his promise. And everything you do, the one promise God gives you and you can be certain of is God says, I'll be with you. If you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. If you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. If you make your bed in hell, I'll be with you. Married couples, young couples, young couples getting married, the one thing he promised you is, I'll be with you. Married couples getting divorced, the one thing he promises you, I'll be with you. He may leave you, but I'm not leaving you. She may forsake you, but I won't forsake you. I'll be here with you. He may leave you, but I'm staying right here with you. The only thing that was certain in, the first te- in this text was they had the presence of God with them. When Moses died, God was still with them. To see to it, they received their promise. I won't forsake you like everyone else when you fall. I won't run out on you like he did. I won't quit just because things got hard. I'll be with you. That's the best part of the text is to know that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, it's the greatest promise we can have considering what we're fixing to face as a nation. If you don't take that as your promise, you'll end up leaning on something that can be taken from you, leaving you helpless and all alone. The one thing the devil can never take from me is his presence. I've been through a lot of things, but one thing for sure, I never had to face them alone. God was with me, desiring to show himself strong on my behalf. He was in the fire with me. Other folks said, I'll pray for you. They said, I hate to hear that. They said, let me know if I can do anything. Thank you for your kind offers. But God was with me through it all, every step, every day, until he made a way when there seemed to be no way. I wish I had somebody say, you're telling my story too, Randy. God wants his presence to be your priority. He told Joshua to meditate on my word day and night. God don't want to be loved for what he's got. He wants to be loved for who he is. If you will love him for who he is, you'll get what he's got. God said, I want you to get in my word. I want to see you seeking me outside of your promised land. I don't want you to wait till you get there to be grateful. I want to know you can be grateful for me before you get there. I want to know you can be grateful for me when you're sick. Grateful me when you're broke. Grateful me when you're lonely. Can you still at that time declare to me, you're still God? The text tells us about the priority of having a devotion. Here we go, Sister Jenny. Do you know most people don't have a devotion outside of the church? And we wonder why we fall apart and lose focus on him during the week. 
If the only time you acknowledge his presence is when you're here, your priorities are all mixed up. The fact that he's omnipresent, meaning he's always with you, he's everywhere, and you never engage with his presence outside of the church shows you don't realize the importance of his presence. I'm talking about having a relationship with God, not with people, not with the church, where every day you walk with God. You need a devotional to keep you engaged and focused on his presence that we are, that we're, that we are, and to realize that we're nothing without him. And we have nothing without him. Well, don't say I have nothing. Look at my stuff. Yeah, that stuff you love today and you'll sell tomorrow for pennies on the dollar. Because it has no substance to keep you satisfied. You need to put more time in his presence. It's more valuable than any of your stuff. Then your stuff will be your overflow. Then if you lose it, you won't lose your mind. Because the contentment you will have because of his presence in your life. The priority of a devotional stabilizes you in a destabilized environment. A devotion is the breakfast of champions. God wants you to have a personal relationship with him in his presence. All alone. Just you and him at times. Walking through your house. Worshiping him. Singing off key. Making up words as you go. But it's music to his ears. Because you're acknowledging, God, I know you're near. I know you're here. I sense your presence. Thank you for being here. I don't need a praise band. I don't need a crowd. I worship you all by myself, even when nobody else is looking. Hallelujah. See, when you do that stuff, you're declaring, I know the value of his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. You don't have to come to church just to worship. You can do it at home, all alone, anytime. Matter of fact, you can do it anywhere because his presence is everywhere. And if you do do it at home, you'll actually find it easier to do it in here. I just believe for where God is wanting to take us, the point of this message is so necessary. We want revival. We need revival. God has promised us in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. That's his promise. Everybody's focused on it. We quote it. We preach it. But I believe if we'll focus more in entering to his presence, he will pour out his spirit. We can't just want the promise without his presence. His presence brings the promise. Instead of just wanting God's promises, God wants us to want him. Church, we are headed into an unstable environment where so many things are so uncertain out of our elements, and the only stability we're going to have is going to come from having his presence in our life. We got to want the blesser more than the blessing. We got to want the deliverer more than the deliverance. We got to want the healer more than just the healing. Because when you got him, he'll do all those things. With his presence comes the presence, the gifts of God. You got to value his presence because whatever you value, you give your time to it. Am I right? Think about it. What do you give your time to? May I ask? Is God on that list more than just Sunday morning? Are you coming on Sundays to give God something or are you always coming to get something from God? 
You know why worship and the word go so hand in hand? You know why we worship first and then we bring forth the word? Because when you worship first, you're giving God something. And then when you hear the word, God's giving you something. So when you come in here, you should start by giving God something. You should start by worshiping him. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Did you notice Moses, Moses died, but God's purpose didn't? When he said to Joshua, so as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. He was saying, I'm going to do the same thing through you I've done through Moses. Because it wasn't about him. It was about me and the purpose I have for my people. To accomplish this purpose, God will use anybody. Now, too many think God's just got this little clique of blessed people. And if you're in the clique, if you're not in the clique, God can't use you. You know I'm preaching, preaching truth right there. But let me tell you something. If you think that, you're wrong. There might be a clique in the church that may try to convince you of that. But it ain't so with God. Don't believe the lie. God used a hooker. God used a donkey. God used animals. God used a fish. When God has a purpose, he'll use whatever and whoever he needs to accomplish it. He used an adulteress. Ruth was a Moabite. She didn't even know God. He used a narcissist named Nebuchadnezzar. But when God gets ready to accomplish this person, he will use anybody from anywhere. The safest place to be is in the purpose of God. Because God will protect you to protect his purpose. Because all things work together for the good of those who love God and that are called according to his purpose. The purpose of the promise was that they would learn the value of his presence. They, were, they would learn had it not been for the Lord, not had it not been for Moses, and had, not, had it not been for Joshua. They were part of a purpose. Therefore, they were in his presence. They knew the value of his presence. That without him, they were nothing, nor could do nothing. That, that what he had asked them to do, Moses and Joshua knew they couldn't do it on their own. Just look how much time Moses spent in his presence. Look how much time Joshua depended on his presence. But look at the mistake the people made. They depended, they depended more on a man than God's presence. And the result was, when things got hard, when they lost Moses, they fell apart. But God didn't leave them nor forsake them. He just elected Joshua to continue on with the purpose. That by the time they get their promise, they will learn the value of his presence. And they too would declare, had it not been for the hand of the Lord, we would have never made it. Sure, Joshua led them, but it was God leading Joshua that made it happen. He was in, God, he was in God's purpose. Therefore, he was blessed and favored. Everybody's running around trying to get God in their agenda, begging God to bless your ideals. When the best thing you could do is get in God's agenda, it's already blessed. It comes with divine favor. It comes with God's direction. It comes with divine protection. How many know God's got a purpose plan for these last days? And if you'll get in his presence, you'll find his purpose for you in it. It's time for the church to get into God's purpose. And we'll never know that, what that is until we get into his presence. Churches that don't seek his presence are sitting around like the Israelites were in the desert, ready to give up on their promises. Until we learn the value of his presence and spend time in his presence, then it will be 
no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Can't nobody stop his purposes planned for these days or for your life. Quit asking God for just presence and ask God for his presence. By now, with the conditions we are in as a nation, we ought to be on our knees like David praying. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Begging God, to please don't take your presence from us. Would the praise team come? Would you stand with me?